One word for you. Goals. Not only loads of them, but quality goals. That's what we saw at the weekend. Casemiro's howitzer, Jorge Molina and Santi Comesaña striking from range. Ferran Torres with a chest down and a cheeky flick of the boot. Volleys from Santi Arias and Charles. Cristian Teos free kick. The whole of Barcelona's first goal against Leganes. Like it or not, La Liga has to be the league where the greatest technical ability is shown and the greatest goals are scored. If you're not convinced, give us well, not even half an hour to convince you. Hi, I'm Pablo Machín. This is La Liga Lowdown. Hi, I'm Carlos Soler, and this is La Liga Lowdown. Hi, I'm Luis García, and you're listening to La Liga Lowdown. And I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Redis Takanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. Delighted to have you with us. The big stories this week. Barca beat Leganes, but only just, and they need super sub Lionel Messi to do so. Real Madrid can be good at times, but at least they were when Sevilla came to the Bernabeu. Here's Ewan. This victory simply confirmed that Real Madrid are at the most dangerous when you think they're at their most vulnerable. They can handle the toughest opposition but it shouldn't be a surprise that they can play well. I mean, the world champions. Atletico win two so once again, the big three are the top three but the relegation battle's getting properly tasty as well. Villarreal stays second bottom. So where's the problem back off? They keep conceding goals and chances due to unbelievably poor mistakes at the back. So maybe a defensive signing or two shouldn't be ruled out with still a few days to go in the winter transfer market. Celta are only just above the drop zone. Alex watched them lose to Valencia at Balaidos. Both Marcelino and Cardoso were pacing around in their dugouts for most of the game and neither seemed happy with what they were seeing. Cardoso screaming and waving, but it did not help much as the Celta defence looked clueless. While Huesca survival hopes are fading fast, we get Roman's thoughts on that and the Copa del Rey quarter-final ties too. Betis and Espanyol is the one I find harder to predict, basically because we've seen that both teams are capable of the best and the worst. The first game at Cornea will be crucial. Strap yourselves in, it's off to the Spanish capital, first of all. Real Madrid are an enigma. At home to a Real Sociedad team on a losing streak and they lose badly. And then at home against a Sevilla side threatening on all three fronts this season and they produce one of their better performances of the campaign. Now look, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. No big corners have been turned. No revelationary tactic has been found which will guide them through the rest of the season. But crucially, in the big game of the weekend, it was a decent display in front of their home fans by Real Madrid. Not too much to shout about in a keenly fought first half. Madrid starting with real intensity, but once that inevitably faded a bit. Sevilla hit back and had a chance through Sergio Escudero into the side netting. After the break, again the hosts were stronger, exerted control, Dani Ceballos hit the bar from long range and then Casemiro was a might more accurate, Thomas Vatsley only able to palm his pile driver into the top right hand corner. It was an absolute belter of a goal. Perhaps the best of the weekend and those are the only types of goal this Brazilian scores, it would seem. Any Sevilla response would be blunted by the fact they'd already subbed off both Andre Silva and Wissam Benyeda, but in any case a defensive mistake confirmed the result. Daniel Carriso dawdling, robbed by Luka Modric, who sprinted past him on Kiar, who, to be fair, had a good game, and then finishing confidently past Vatsleek. So, what changed on Saturday? Where did Madrid excel, having failed in previous home games? And what do they need to keep on doing going forward? Let's ask Lally Galodown's Ewan McTeer. 
Well, David, I completely agree with your point there about no big corners being turned. We've seen this all before. We've seen Real Madrid win games against decent opposition, and we've seen everyone related to Real Madrid get carried away, only to go and lose in Eibar or Moscow the following week. This victory simply confirmed that Real Madrid are at their most dangerous when you think they're at their most vulnerable. They can handle the toughest opposition, but it shouldn't be a surprise that they can play well. I mean, they're world champions. Their problem has been a lack of consistency, not a lack of ability. I found it interesting what Sergio Ramos said after after the game. He said Real Madrid can show our best version when we want to, which led me to think, well, why wouldn't you want to show that version a bit more often? Sure, Vinicius is exciting and adventurous. Sure, Sergio Reguilon played better than Marcelo has been doing. Sure, Modric performed like a Ballon d'Or winner in this game. But the problem is that we don't know for certain if this will carry on into next week. Cheers, Ewan. As for Sevilla, it's a third defeat in a row in all competitions. Uh, the first time that's happened under Pablo Machin, they very much feel like a team who've played almost 40 games already this season. A season which started with their first Europa League qualifier on the 26th of July, remember. In particular, Ever Banega needs a rest. He admitted that Madrid's first goal was his fault and says Sevilla were a disaster in the second half. Already two new faces through the door, though, at the time of recording. Munir will help those tiring legs up front. Maximilian Verba can assist at the back and maybe more will follow. Now this was our chosen match on Partiaso Predictions. We pick a game every weekend, try to forecast the final score. We show it all on Twitter in a video thread. We are at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter, by the way. Three points for the exactly correct scoreline, one point for the right result. Only Paco Bolit back to Madrid win. So this is how the overall standings look. Paco moves on to 20 points. Ewan is on 14. I stay on 10 with Roman de Arquero on 9 and Alex Johnson on 7. Meanwhile, another week, another win for Barcelona. But despite the 3-1 scoreline, this one wasn't easy at home to Leganes, who, remember, had beaten them at Butarque earlier this season. An intriguing starting eleven named by Ernesto Valverde with no Lionel Messi, but Thomas Vermaelen, Carles Alenia and Philippe Coutinho all starting. It was Usman Dembélé who dazzled, though, gliding over the ground so quickly, so effortlessly. And indeed, for the opener just after the half hour, he almost played in a messy role, getting the ball from Alenia, linking up with Jordi Alba, and then opening his body to side foot smartly with his right boot. But little Lega weren't giving up. Mauricio Pellegrino's side were hard working. They chanced the odd attack as Martin Braithwaite's equaliser proved. Yusuf Nasiri getting behind Barca's back four down the right, swinging the ball in for the Dane to finish. And don't forget, this goal came just four days after he scored against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. That is some start to his lone stint at Leganes. But Messi came on on 64 minutes and then on 71 minutes... Oh, lovely skill for Messi. Gets it onto the left foot! Oh. Well, Cuellar's made a save now, but he hasn't made it firmly enough. And Luis Suarez in there to bottle the ball over the line. He might have taken half a pinch of Cuellar with him. Cuellar for sure will stay down, hoping to convince the referee that the goal shouldn't be allowed. But what a difference a man called Leo Messi can make to a game of football. Oh, Messi, aware of the arrival of Jordi Alba. Not the greatest return ball, but Messi collected it, returned it to Alba. Messi on the right foot! 3-1 to Barcelona! Messi-Alba connection once again. So that's how the last two goals went in on 11 Sports in the UK. So the obvious thing, Messi to the rescue again. You run out of superlatives, blah, blah, blah. But Dembele is becoming more and more important with every game. And he happily assumed the added responsibility when Messi wasn't on the pitch. It's just a shame he'll be out injured for a couple of weeks, missing some crucial games coming up. Both legs of a Copa quarterfinal against Sevilla, a Catalan derby at Girona and a home game against Valencia. Now, another story from 
Barcelona, which broke on Monday evening, the perhaps surprising loan signing of 31-year-old Kevin Prince Boateng. Yes, that one. Formerly of Tottenham, Portsmouth, Ace Milan, Chalca and Las Palmas. He's now at Italian club Sassuolo uh, with an option to buy for €8 million in the summer. Now, this is a guy who's had a fairly chequered past, quoted as getting injured for having too much sex while at Milan, uh, enjoying an excess of drink and junk food while at Spurs, kicking Michael Ballack while at Pompey to rule him out of the 2012 World Cup, falling out with his coach with Ghana at the 2014 World Cup. Now, he probably didn't think an opportunity like this would come along, but like the sign of Arturo Vidal, it has raised eyebrows, but at least there's cover for Luis Suarez should he get injured. And just on Leganes, props to them for showing their fighting qualities. They've also appealed to the Spanish Federation to clarify why VAR wasn't even consulted for the challenge of Luis Suarez on Pichu Cuellar for the second goal. Even President Victoria Pavón was involved, saying they don't like controversy, but that they felt wronged. To a very professional performance in tricky circumstances by Atletico Madrid, winning by three goals to nil away to Huesca with only 13 fit first-team players and a bench full of youngsters, and also having crashed out of the Copa del Rey to Girona in midweek, and also it was so, so foggy you could barely see anything. Well, despite Huesca's positive start, their wings were clipped by Lucas Hernandez's opener on the half hour, and any hopes of a second-half comeback were killed off by Santiago Arias's excellent volley for nil two, and Coque, who'd assisted the first goal, then scored the third himself on his 400th appearance for Atleti after time Griezmann had headed against the bar. Allow me to get into Coque a bit here. He's not the most fashionable of players. He's not a typical Spanish diminutive midfielder. He doesn't have dazzling technical skills, but he works. He can pass. He's very versatile and he occupied every position across the athletic midfield and he does whatever he's told by Diego Simeone. He's a loyal servant of the Argentine. He clearly enjoys a very good relationship with him, so no surprise really that he's racked up that many games under him. And as for Atleti, with Diego Costa out for a while longer after foot surgery, uh, the arrival of Alvaro Morata from Chelsea would be another welcome boost to try and challenge in both La Liga and the Champions League. So, Atleti's win keeps Barcelona honest, but what about Huesca? Two wins all season, 39 goals conceded so far, a goal difference of minus 22, which is by far the worst. What hopes can they realistically have of avoiding relegation? Román de Arquer covers the northeast of Spain for La Liga Loda, and that includes Aragón, where these La Liga first-timers are based. Uh, Román, any positives that Huesca can cling on to? I must say that it doesn't look good at all. But you know, it ain't over till it's over. So Wesker have to believe until the very last instant. You've asked what they can cling on to, and I'm going to say attitude. Despite a change of coach in the first half of the season, despite conceding 39 goals in 20 games, despite only managing two wins, and despite being 10 points away from salvation, they're still fighting with all they've got in every single game. But it also has to be said that luck hasn't been on their side. Against Atletico, for example, they had two extremely good chances to get in front with Pulido's overhead kick and Kuch's one-on-one against Black. Who knows what could have happened if those two shots had gone in. So hopefully with a new signing such as Enrique Gallego, who was Pichichi in the Spanish second division with 15 goals in 19 games, scoring won't be as hard as it has been for the first half of the season. Thanks Roman. More on the relegation battle a bit later on. Uh, but there's another Madrid team doing well this season and that is Getafe. Again, they'll win no prizes for artistic impression, but they know exactly what they are and they're bloody good at it. Uh, Getafe blew Alaves away 4-0 in the Friday night game at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez. 
two goals from Jaime Mata, two from Jorge Molina. Uh, Mata started it off with a penalty. Molina's strike for the second was an absolute peach, right-footed, 25 yards out, top left corner. And then Mata assisted Molina for the third, and the summer signing from Bayer League got the fourth, clipping home from a free kick. So what is so special about this strike partnership? What is there under the bonnet, working behind that front two, which has allowed them to flourish? Let's go back to McTeer to give us his thoughts. We shouldn't be so surprised to see Jaime Mata doing well, as this is a player who's got 33 goals last season with Real Valladolid in the second division. So this summer addition was always going to be useful. He already had two talented strikers in Jorge Molina and Angel Rodriguez. Now that Jose Bordlas has all three of them, he's always guaranteed a goal threat. Angel has usually started in the front two with Molina, with Mata more often being used as a substitute or in recent weeks on the left wing to fill in for a Matandai, the winger who suffered a season-ending injury last month. What this trio of top-class strikers means is that Itafi can basically focus on setting up a solid defensive base with their other eight outfielders and rely on the front men to make something out of very little. And it's been working, as these players have accounted for 26 of Itafi's 33 goals this season. The only dampener of this feel-good story, all three of them are over the age of 30, so this won't last forever. Cheers, Ewan, and to talk about a topsy-turvy game at the Estadio Benito Villamarín, which finished at Rabetis 3, Girona 2. The hosts going in front early, then trailing at half-time, only to come back and win. At the first goal, a belter of a free kick from Cristian Teo. We've seen that before. But basic Betis errors from Antonio Barragan and then Paulo Lopez allowed Girona's high press to pounce on easy opportunities. Alex Garcia and then Seydou Dumbia turning the game around to the ever-improving Porto, assisting both goals. But in the second half, at 1-2, Sergio Canales showed excellent awareness to set up Loren Moron for the equaliser. And then Giovanni Los Celso was appended in the box late on. Canales even more composed with his 90th minute penalty. Tucked left-footed into the bottom left-hand corner. He has been one of the players of the season, no doubt. His intelligence, his passing, his breaks from midfield, his goals. Canales really is one of the most all-round midfielders in La Liga and when he dictates the tempo, he makes Betis tick. Incredible value to sign him on a free transfer over the summer and the result means that Betis cling on to the coattails of the European places and Girona drop to 11th. That's it for part one. Plenty more in part two with the scrap to avoid the drop in sharp focus. See you shortly. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Reyes Sakanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. Now, we've talked about Wesker's woes, 10 points from safety, but a team who aren't doing much to help themselves either are Villarreal. Sitting second bottom, they only just got a point at home to Athletic Club after a one-all draw on Sunday and maybe shouldn't have got even that. Uh, the opener was across from the left from Yuri diverted into his own net by Jaume Costa as Athletic took the lead on 12 minutes. Villarreal's equaliser came from Carl Toko Okambi, bundling in Alfonso Pedraza's centre on 71 one minute. But the big controversy afterwards came as Athletic Club had a late Iñaki Williams goal ruled out. The ref gave it offside, it was confirmed by VAR, but that call was not convincing. When Athletic coach Gasco Garitano was asked about the decision afterwards, he replied, if I say anything, they will suspend me. Well, he's only lost one of his nine matches in charge of Los Leones, while Luis Garcia Plaza hasn't won since his opening game. That is seven and counting. If the yellow submarine aren't exactly sinking, well, they're barely staying afloat right now. So, are they too good to go down, or is there a fundamental problem that their sheer talent won't be able to solve. La Liga Lowdown's Paco Bolitz can give us his assessment of the situation. Right now, the Villarreal fans and board alike perceive that the team has improved in several areas, but that on its own isn't enough. They keep conceding goals and chances due to unbelievably poor mistakes at the back, so maybe a defensive signing or two shouldn't be ruled out with still a few days to go in the winter transfer market. 
Also, Gerard Moreno is still not at the same level as the killer number nine he became last season at Espanyol. So maybe dropping him in the next few games isn't out of the question, as Luis Garcia Plaza keeps tweaking his lineup while searching for a team that is A. Reliable at the back and B. Knows how to take their chances when attacking, especially away from home where they haven't won in their last 11 games. Cheers, Paco. Cracker of a game meanwhile at Vallecas on Sunday between Rayo Vallecano and Real Sociedad, two teams who love to play attractive attacking football. And Rayo in control after half an hour. Pulled back to the edge of the area, the shot comes in, it's blocked by Moreno. Another one from Comisano, what a goal that is! And Rayo Vallecano have taken the lead. Chance here for two. Really comes out, but he's beaten. And Rayo Vallecano have gone 2 0 into the lead. It's Mbappé who's got the goal. And what an afternoon so far for Mitchell in the Rayo dugout. So Rayo on course what would have been a fourth straight win to take them out of the relegation zone, but not to be. Boss Mitchell bemoaned his sides defending as Real Sociedad got one back before half-time. Hector Juan not completely unmarked at a free kick. And just when Rayo seemed like they might see out the win, William Jose got the equaliser after Miguel Oyazabal played in Adnan Yanazai and the ball spilled loose to the Brazilian. That's now four goals in the last three La Liga games for William Jose since Imanol Alguacil has been in charge, having not scored in three months previous to that. Celta Vigo remain just above Real in the bottom three after their defeat at home to Valencia by two goals to one, a team who can't defend against a team finding it hard to score. But it was Los Che whose real spirit was in evidence here. Despite going behind to Nestor Araujo's headed opener on his return to the Celta starting eleven, they pulled off a first comeback victory in La Liga for 11 months with goals from Ferran Torres and Rodrigo Moreno in the last 20 minutes, so vital points for Valencia. La Liga lowdown's Alex Johnson was at Balaido. So this wasn't the best football match any of us will ever witness, but so, so important for Valencia. It wasn't just getting the three points, but the changes Marcelino made had a direct impact on the result. Ferran scored his first La Liga goal with a sweet half volley and fellow substitute Kevin Gamero then provided an assist for Rodrigo to score a simple but incredible important goal against his childhood club. Making the four Valencia radio commentators around me go completely wild. Both Marcelino and Cardoso were pacing around in their dugouts for most of the game and neither seemed happy with what they were seeing. Cardoso's screaming and waving, but it did not help much as the Celta defence looked clueless, lost focus and allowed Valencia far too much space for both goals. Ruben Blanco, however, kept the scoreline respectable with some great saves, but Celta slump means they are very much involved in a relegation battle. So Celta suffer a fourth straight defeat. How serious do the fans think the situation is and where does the main problem lie? Well, here is Tami Castro, who supported Celta since she was 10 years old. I think there are several problems in our team. Obviously, the main one is the defence and it's been like that for a long time now. Obviously, being too dependent on one single player is a problem because whenever you don't have it, the team has like no direction or, or losing a little bit the way it should play. I still think that there are some players that can take that role as well, but obviously it's really difficult because Aspas is the one for Kai. Unbelievably, despite winning only five games out of 20 this season, Valencia are just five points off the Europa League places and seven 
off fourth spot. Rodrigo is a man who needs to use this boost to his confidence and deliver even more in the coming matches because they are huge matches. A Copa quarter final against Hetafe, away then home, a Valencian community derby in between against Villarreal at Mestalla, and then a trip to the Camp Nou to face Barcelona. It could be a defining period for their season. Now, just above Celta are Real Valladolid, but after being sixth three months ago, they've fallen like a stone with just one win in 11 since then, that after losing by two goals to nil at Levante. The home side taking the lead from a Ruben Rochina free kick into the box. Coque had heading past to Jordi Masip, his second goal this calendar year. But then the controversy as Oscar Planos shot through a mass of bodies in the box went in, but VAR ruled it out for offside on Enes Unal. Levante crowned the victory anyway with a fine Roger Martí strike in second half injury time, but once again, the big talking point was VAR. Valdez boss Sergio González was raging on this issue, claiming that they were robbed, that they weren't only playing against Levante, but the officials as well, and that Levante's protestations on the issue of the previous weekend when they'd suffered due to VAR against Atletico had had their effect. And this time it was Valdez who were on the receiving end. Well, let's go back to Paco Bolito on this. Uh, Paco, is Sergio right? Does complaining make a difference? And also, what is your view on how VAR has been handled this season in La Liga overall? Well, of course he's right. After his incendiary remarks on Sunday, I was thinking about just how convenient it was for Levante, who had been robbed by Atletico last week, getting the benefit after that controversial Valladolid goal was disallowed. And how Serendipity has ultimately been very kind to teams who have complained about VAR this season. Real Madrid, check. Atletico, check. VAR has been controversial since day one, but overall people thought that it would balance out the competition. And while the table shows it definitely has had an impact to date, maybe you get dealt a slightly better hand in future if you choose to complain and cry a bit in front of the cameras. Thanks again, Paco. The Monday night game was a bad against Espanyol at Ipurua. A 3-0 win for the home side and an awful performance from the visitors. They simply couldn't cope with a bad super effective high press with Joan Jordan and Marco Correa impressing in particular. Two young guys to really keep an eye on. Also, Luis Mendeleva's side deservedly took the lead with Sergio Enrique scoring under the legs of Diego Lopez on 24 minutes. And then, yeah, you guessed it, VAR was involved as it was checked for the second goal just after the break. Enrique looking offside and looking to get involved before the ball actually passed him and reached Pablo de Blasis on the right, who fired home but the goal was given and it stood uh, to rub salt into Espanyol wounds Eva scored a third in the last seven minutes sub Chadler's volleying home at the near post a sumptuous finish to halt Eva's winless streak at seven games they climbed five places up to 11th for Espanyol the bad run continues eight defeats in nine games in which they've conceded 22 goals and what you don't need when you're leaking goals is having lots of defenders out injured Oscar Duarte David Lopez and now Naldo and Mario Hermoso had only just been out of action for weeks before too. Well, next up for Espanyol in La Liga, a team who they have beaten just once in the last 24 meetings, Real Madrid. But remember, this is a Madrid side who blow hot and cold right now. So maybe, just maybe. Well, that's as far as the action is concerned. But also, if you missed it, we had the Copa del Rey draw last Friday with the first leg of the quarterfinals coming up this week. Getafe hosts Valencia first up, while Sevilla entertain current holders Barcelona. We also have Real Betis versus Espanyol and Real Madrid taking on Girona. And Roman Derquer has been casting his eye over all four ties. Barcelona-Sevilla is definitely the toughest tie. But the first game is away from the Andalusians. And we know how they've been performing lately, far from the sanchez Juan. In all competitions, they've just managed one win in the last seven away games. Also, Messi got 
got some rest on Sunday against Leganes, so he should be ready to seal the deal ASAP. I'm also really looking forward to the Getafe Valencia, where Bordalas is working his magic and getting astounding results. It's going to be interesting to see how far he's willing to push his men in this competition, because it could mean tiring starting players and affecting their La Liga performances. In front, they have a Valencia who are dying to win in a title such as the Copa del Rey, and have gained confidence after that well-fought win against Celta. Then Girona, who faced another team from Madrid, and who knows, maybe they could surprise us again. But it all depends on whether we'll be see the wobbly and dull Madrid that bore us against Leganes, or the full-on offense in Madrid we enjoyed against Sevilla. Finally, Betis and Espanyol is the one I find harder to predict, basically because we've seen that both teams are capable of the best and the worst. The first game at Cornea will be crucial, but I think Setien's deeper squad could have the edge over Los Pericos, who are relying too much on Borja Iglesias up front to win games. Thanks, Roman. And this is how the La Liga table looks after 20 games. Barcelona top on 46 points. Atletico second on 41. And now Real Madrid third on 36 points. Of the rest of the top six, Sevilla 33, Alaves 32, Getafe 31. As for the bottom, Huesca remain on 11 points. Villarreal stays second bottom but move on to 18 points. Rayo Vallecano still third bottom but now on 20 points. With Celta fourth bottom on 21 points. Well, that's about it for this edition of the mini pod. Don't forget about our Twitter feed though. We'll keep you across another big busy week of Copa del Rey action so check out our account we are at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter plenty of excellent content on the way there and of course here on this podcast as well if you've enjoyed it feel free to give us some lovely comments and a lovely rating that's your La Liga Lowdown see you next time This was a Radio Stakhanov production. production.